Takes from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. John Trumbull, how you doing, sir? I'm doing okay. Uh, you doing all right? I know you got fully vaxxed the other day. I did. I, I'm, uh, I, got the, I got the juice in me. like, uh, And uh, I feel fine, actually. It's weird. Like, uh, I feel okay. I feel all right. My arm's a little sore, but I didn't have any of the, uh, the, the side effects. Um that people you know say they have so um i guess this means i am an immortal that i mean that's the only possible conclusion i think yeah yeah um but i'm gonna live live forever guys (laughs) well that's good here um we guys we are gonna just dive right into it today because we got a special guest with us uh he's uh, he's a very funny stand-up comic. He's friend to both of us. He's got a uh, a podcast. I love rock and roll, and he's got in a stand-up album, uh, "Fu Poughkeepsie," coming out next month uh, in June. Uh, and he was at the show last night. He got to see uh, Keegan Michael Key and Olivia Rodrigo. Uh, please welcome our friend, stand-up comedian Ken Krantz. Hey, thanks hey. for having me, guys. Hey. hey Thanks. Going, yeah, sir. thanks for coming on, Ken. And so, how are you doing? Did you have a good time last night? Yeah, I had a great time. It's been a um, for me. It's always been like a bucket list thing to to see an SNL taping. So um, to actually be able to do it was super cool. That okay. is cool. And, and just to clarify, you saw the live show last night. You did not go to a dress rehearsal, right? I was at the I was at the live show. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, just uh, for, you know, for everybody, this was uh, Keegan-Michael Key and Olivia Rodrigo, season 46, episode 19 from May 15th, 2021. Right. Uh, Now, now, Ken, you said you were, uh, this is always a bucket list thing for you. So I was just wondering, like, are you... What you would would you consider yourself a SNL nerd or are you a casual fan? No, I'm a huge SNL nerd. That that show informed so much of my childhood and my sense of humor growing up. I remember being um, like once I was old enough to stay up and watch it live. That was that was a big deal. Um, Great. So, so um, yeah, this this really was. I mean, listen, I don't. I I always record it. I always DVR it. I don't watch it religiously, but I get around to it eventually. And um, I always find at least one or two things in every episode that make me laugh still. Yeah. And I think that's a good batting average. I mean, when people are like, oh, it's not funny, it's not... I mean, it seems like most, almost every episode has one or two good things in it. And that's honestly not a bad batting average. Yeah, no. absolutely. So, so, uh, so I, since it sounds like you really love SNL, like, do you know what was it that hooked you in? Was it a certain performer, a certain sketch? Do you have any like favorite? It was. I remember. I, I I was a little kid when I started watching. I, Eddie Murphy is my first memory of um, seeing somebody on Saturday Night Live that that really grabbed my attention. Um, and then you know I, when they started replaying the older episodes, I forget like on VH1 or MTV at one point. That's that's when I learned about the older cast. But I I started watching. I guess what were those were like the years that Lauren wasn't there, right? Yeah, there was like a five years uh, or so where uh, Dick Ebersol was running the show, and that and actually the Eddie Murphy years fall into that. Right. Yeah. So that's that's when I that's when I became aware of it. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, I've said on this podcast, I'm a 
I'm a diehard Eddie Murphy fan. He's the reason I got into, I would say he was the reason I got into SNL and just in stand-up comedy in general. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know, just that Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood sketch, just this, that, I, I still remember that, like that one part where he has to go to the door because somebody's banging on the door saying, this is how we answer the door in my neighborhood. Who is it? Just, I don't know why. <laughs> that makes me laugh every time. <laughs> just, who is it? Oh, God. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. So, I mean, how did you, Ken, how did you uh, end up uh, seeing the show last night? You had, you had like a, an in, I understand. Yeah, I have an in. So I have a good friend who works at Peacock. He's, he's actually pretty high up there. And um, he just, he reached out to um, my brother and a few of our friends and uh, he checked to make sure we were all vaccinated first and then invited us out for SNL, just kind of like, you know, the first like boys night out in, you know, since pre-COVID. Nice, nice. And I'm assuming, like, being in the audience, they still had to mask up and all that. They are in, like they don't let you they don't let you take your mask off for a second you can't bring in any food or drinks so you can't use the like oh, i was just taking a sip excuse and when i tell you every single staff member in there was masked up every cast member was masked up until the very second that they went on stage wow. there was there was a, no i mean lauren was walking around with a mask so they um I, I, you know, you get the feeling that it's kind of all for show because, you know, everybody in there has been vaccinated. I, I get the feeling that it was more to be like, hey, n- nobody can accuse us of being hypocrites or anything. Or, But, yeah, they were they were very strict with the masks. OK, well, that's cool. That's good to hear. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they, they carry those uh, restrictions into the next season. Was was there anything that like particularly surprised you about seeing the show live? Yeah, you know, you always hear what a tiny studio it is, but to see how tiny it is up close and 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 to see the way they they build these sets and put them together, you know, in in between commercial breaks, mm-hmm. like just a well-oiled machine. There was there was when they were putting a, a balcony piece together, the the stagehands were having trouble connecting the two pieces, and I was like. I was watching the clock, you know, and they were like 40 seconds, 30 seconds to air. And I thought for sure they weren't going to get it done on time. I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting because this is going to be a, a big screw up on live TV. Now with like two seconds, they got it in the place and everyone dashed out and it was fine. Wow. Wow. That's very cool. Did you did you have good seats? Where were you seated in the studio? We were we were in the mezzanine. We were like upper left corner. And uh, unfortunately, because of that balcony set our seats were obstructed for the first uh until after the first sketch you know they the cold open then the monologue then the first sketch so we i was watching on the monitors up until uh the second sketch but then wow. once once that balcony thing got taken away it was perfect oh okay well that's cool okay yeah the balcony thing seems sounds like it's from the uh the muppet show sketch which we'll, which we'll yes. get into yeah this episode oh boy okay uh, yeah, no, it sounds like you had a great time, man. It's, it sounds like it kind of lived up to everything you thought it'd be. It's, yeah, it's a cool time. So they bring you into this lounge. You have to check in by 940. And then they take you up to a lounge in your group. And they've got, um, they have marked 
They have marked spaces for your people. So you're not like commingling with groups and um, they give you, you know, alcohol and food and the, the that, that you can't touch. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the lounge is filled with hundreds of monitors and pictures just throughout the history of Saturday Night Live. And I was I was walking around looking at everything like so many things I'd forgotten about. You know, like like buried in the recess of your memory for 30 years. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I remembered that sketch. Oh, cool. Um, that's fantastic. All right. So now I guess the question we're all asking, John and I both. Did you see uh, the two showgirls, the llama and Abraham Lincoln while you were walking backstage? I, I did not. Damn. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> um, was, it, was it tight for you to get to the show on time? Because I know you had a stand-up show in the city last night. I had a, I had a stand-up show in Red Bank. And, oh, Red um, Bank. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, luckily, the show started at 7, and it started right on time. So I just – I figured I would, like, get a car service so I didn't have to deal with parking and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, I literally got off stage, ran outside, jumped into a car. And luckily, I thought, you know, with the city opening back up, there was going to be crazy traffic. And mm-hmm. there was nothing. And I, I got I got there an hour ahead of time. So wow. that yeah. is great. I mean, yeah, Red, I, Red Bank, for people who don't know, that's in like South Jersey. That's like where uh, Kevin Smith is from, if I remember correctly. Yes. Like I almost yeah. canceled. I almost told my friend, I don't think there's any way I'm going to be able to make it. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's right, man. Yeah. I and mean, that's super surprising. Cause like there's always tunnel traffic, especially on a Saturday night, like was, Lincoln tunnels always backed up to Holland. Yeah. Now flew so, in. Didn't, didn't hit. It, it took, I couldn't, it took like an hour and 15 minutes door to door. That is great. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is turning into a Californian sketch. So. <laughs> <laughs> It took the four or five. <laughs> should, should we dive into the show, guys? Yeah, let's do yes, it. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. So uh, starting out, we had um, No More Masks, Cold Open, which was uh, Kate McKinnon as Dr. Anthony Fauci uh, talking about the new CDC rules with No More Masks, Indoors or Outdoors. And to clarify the rules, they had the, CDP, the CDC players presenting various scenarios to demonstrate correct mask behavior. Uh, what do we think of this sketch, guys? I, I'll tell you what I liked about it because I, I don't, I, I, I couldn't. You guys might know better than me. I couldn't think of too many more cold opens where they used almost every single cast member in the mm-hmm. cold open. Yeah, and um, normally you just have I feel like just a handful, and and this I actually like this because it was perfect for my attention span. Like those little <laughs> vignettes. Like this, just this, little, this opening really moved. It did, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, those cold openings feel like they can drag sometimes, you know. Yeah. But this was just like little vignette move, little vignette move. So it for my attention span, it was perfect. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I dug it too. Um, I think I agree with what you guys said. It did move, even though it is like a six and a half minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, cold open so i you know part of me was thinking oh this seems like it's gonna drag and uh i don't know maybe i guess part of me still feels like maybe they could have shortened it up a little bit but i mean for the most part I, I i did enjoy this one just the way it goes from scenario to scenario to scenario like there's one scenario where it has uh 
Alex Moffat and Cecily uh, Strong as uh, two people saying, oh, there's a lot of people out here. Should we be wearing masks? And then Cecily says, oh, no, it's okay. We're outside the Capitol building. Let's go get them. And then she just pulls, yeah. out, a, pulls out a gun. And yeah. so she's one of the, like stuff like that. I, I did get a kick out. I, I also like the the little vignette with uh, Bowen and Ego, where they're like, uh, the, there's a flight attendant on a plane. She's telling a uh, passenger whether or not she should he should wear a mask, and he's like, "Hey, I've been stuck inside for over a year. Want a bang?" And she just immediately says, "You know I do, King," and gets on his lap. <laughs> um, you know, most of the things had like the little twists at the end. Uh, that just took it in a weird direction, which which I appreciated. I I like this. I thought it worked well. Yeah, uh, there was like that other one where uh, Andrew Dismukes and Chloe Feynman are two people on a date, and they're both wearing masks. Then they take off their masks, and then Chloe says, "Oh no, I don't like the bottom of your face." Yeah, it looks, it looks like you grew mold under your mask. Yeah, and that and Tom Mooney really comes in and he like immediately starts a new improv scene, and like I was in an improv group for like five years, and yeah, they they really captured. <laughs> what it's like to be in an improv group there. Captured the tone. Yeah. Uh, it it, it kind of felt like a season finale with the entire cast saying, like, live from New York at the end. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that might explain why uh, Keegan maybe thought it was at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, during yeah. the good nights, he, he was kind of talking like it was the season finale. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, this this was cool. This was, I, I did think it was funny that they, because they put, Elon Musk in the cold open last week, right? Uh, no, no, he—that was the only thing he wasn't in. Oh, okay, okay. I was—he uh, was in so much stuff last week. I, I would made a note. I was like, they put Elon Musk in the cold open, but they didn't put Geek and Michael Key. So if they didn't put Elon in, that's that's forgivable then. <laughs> right? No, no, he wasn't in that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as cold opens goes, I, mean, I dig this one. It's um, it's sort of politically uh, tinged, but you know, not really because like they have all these. Sort of little vignettes and little sketches in between. It it does move. Each part is pretty entertaining and enjoyable. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I mean, so far, I think we're this show's off to a strong start. Yep, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, so next, we have the monologue with Keegan Michael Key comes out in a tux. Uh, you know, he seems genuinely excited and honored to be there. Um, in his monologue, he just kind of sings a song about how he's so enthusiastic about SNL. He wants to do everything, and he goes through some of the SNL cliches, like a quick costume change. He's got a tux under his tux. It's the uh, same tux. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it looks exactly the same, but he's like, but isn't that cool? And like, he wants to get a tattoo from Pete Davidson. He chickens out. And Pete goes, that's what Elon said. Uh, he, he asks a quick audience question from SNL writer Stephen Castillo, uh, which is, what was it like winning an Oscar for Get Out? And he's like, oh, so close. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, part of me was thinking that maybe Jordan might show up, or maybe, or but I mean the fact that I guess he couldn't do it, but like the fact that they referenced him, I thought yeah, was you know there was there was a lot of celebrities walking around in the lounge and downstairs that I that like on the floor that I kept waiting, like uh, Sandler, uh-huh. Sandler was there last night. Oh cool. Um, Drew Brees was there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Steven Spielberg. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, so, uh, Questlove, but Questlove was wearing Crocs, which I found really disappointing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> yeah, I know because, like, I know he actually wore Crocs to the Oscars when he DJed. Did he really? He wore oh, like yeah. gold. Yeah, he wore like gold Crocs. 
Wow. With his, with his tuxedo. I guess he just is really into Crocs or maybe he has foot issues. I don't know. <laughs> but it was because so I kept waiting for one of them to, to pop up in something. But sure. I think they were just there hanging out. I guess. I mean, that's got to be a pretty common thing for the show is celebs and especially SNL alums just hanging out. Yeah. Spielberg was. But wow, that's a he's just hanging around. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, my theory was maybe he adopted Olivia Rodrigo. Well, sure. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good working theory. Uh, you could put her in his West Side Story remake. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Why is this uh, driver's license song in this movie? <laughs> uh, you know, like the, the monologue, they also had uh, Cecily come out asking him to speed it up. And, and Keenan uh, Thompson came out to remind us all that he and Keegan, Michael Key, are two different people. And they have two different names. Right. So uh, this was cute. I thought it was a, a fun way to open the show. Right. Yeah, no, it's very good. Uh, it, it isn't good to point that there's Keenan and Keegan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this was, I thought it was like a nice little cute, upbeat little monologue. And uh, this is the first time we get to hear Cecily Strong sing in this episode. But not the last. Not the last at not all. Not the last. Cecily likes singing, you guys. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if we've seen evidence of this before on the show, but yeah, she seems to really like singing. <laughs> all, all signs would point to that. Mm-hmm. All right. But, so next, uh, we had our first sketch, uh, which is called Prom Show on YouTube. This was the Braxton High School prom red carpet with uh, Bowen Yang and Heidi Gardner as the hosts, just kind of interviewing the arrivals, and Keegan as super senior Jacob Schneeb, who's a third year senior. Schneeb! Schneeb! Um, and we have such interesting arrivals as, as someone with a mystery date out of his league. Uh, he says, oh, that was a funny school. joke. She doesn't know how hot she is. Right. Oh, yeah, and then they ask, I think that's uh, Kyle Mooney and Chloe Feynman. And yeah. I think they ask Chloe, are you, uh, so we got to ask, are you a hippie or are you just crazy religious? Mm-hmm. And then she says, well, you know, my family does, uh, our family's Bible is only eight pages and my uncle drew it. Yeah, yeah. So nothing insane. Uh, uh, we, we had Andrew Dismukes as a freshman at the prom who was like dating his babysitter from last year. Yes, uh, Ted, Ted Vinaigrette. <laughs> great name, great name. I don't know why that made me laugh, Ted Vinaigrette. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great comedy name. And he, he's presenting tonight because they can see his boner. Oh, boy. Um I, I liked when they had the group of popular kids and they, they asked Ego Nwadam's character, you know, what are you wearing? Green. Who buy? Mall. Mall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they asked her, because she had like her midriff showing. And mm-hmm. so then Bowen asked, oh, can I ask about this little peekaboo moment? And she says, well, I don't have a mom, so no one's honest with me. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. And, and we, we had AD and Mikey as the two dorks who bang. Uh, Melissa... Pia Senora as a student with an intense spray tan. Uh, Pete Davidson as the hot substitute teacher who's 23. <laughs> um, All right. I, I like this. I thought this was, was a cool premise. I thought the performances really elevated it. Uh, Keegan really threw himself into it, I thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is like a type of sketch where it really does come down to the performers to really elevate it. Like, if the performance isn't there, then the sketch is going to be, like, whatever. But luckily, everybody kind of brought their A-game to this one. And yeah, yeah, I dug this one as well. Yeah. I, Ken, what do you think? I liked it. I thought it dragged a little. 
I, mm-hmm. I think sometimes Saturday Night Live just, you know, I know this is what everyone says. They just, they, they don't know how to end sometimes. Sure. Um, but there were, it was funny. There were good jokes, but then, but then I found myself wondering, you know, when it was going to be done. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I hear, I could see that. Yeah. I thought it was, yeah. Yeah. I thought I did like it, but yeah, I see what you mean. Like it, it was getting very close to being a little too long. But then it ended with uh, Keegan singing Don't You Forget About Me. And I was like, all right, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> any any reference to The Breakfast Club just makes Darren happy. Damn straight. <laughs> so so this would have been one that you were still watching on the monitors because your view uh, in the mezzanine was still obstructed, Ken? Right. Okay. Although you have, so like the studio, like there, you know, they, there's different little sets in different parts. So I, I was able to clearly see like where Keegan was standing. Mm-hmm. doing doing his part but then when they were you know uh when the others were interviewing the students that was obstructed yeah okay okay all right so you were like able to half see it yes <laughs> okay all right uh next we had a, a pre-tape uh this was uh, uh espn last the last dance uh, an extended scene this was the Michael Jordan documentary that everybody was going uh, nuts over last year, which uh, we have Keegan Michael Key playing Michael Jordan, and you know, talking about how he he's getting super competitive and he's like playing a game just like tossing quarters with a security guard, and he he can't stand losing even that. Um, uh, have you seen the the Last Dance? I didn't. I did not watch not watch it, but it, it's based on a real scene in that, right? Based on a real scene, and they it was it was Kate McKinnon that played the security guard. Or, uh, it, was, no, it was actually Heidi. I, oh, it was Heidi. Yeah, she, they made her look exactly like that dude. Yeah, it, it, it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I mean, great. yeah, yeah like, I mean, uh, it's so, she had such a distinctive look, and and the cross-eyed thing she did. That was genius. Yeah, like uh, I mean, that, I mean that's what I've heard. I've heard that like if you've, se- I mean, I haven't seen this uh, this uh, doc either. I mean, you know, John and I we're not really sports dudes, but I've heard like if you watch this documentary, it'll it'll really hit harder with you because you're like, oh, I know that guy because apparently like um, the character that Heidi's playing, uh, I think uh, Wozniak is like pretty much exactly like the way Heidi's playing it, and I yeah. believe like Heidi and uh, Heidi had a hand in writing this one as as mm. well as a uh, streeter because Heidi, if I me, mean, if you follow Heidi on um, her social media, you know she's a huge sports fan. She loves hoops and she loves uh, the football. So this kind of was in her wheelhouse. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. She, I mean, I I thought it worked well, even if you haven't seen the Last Dance. I'd, I'd heard enough about the the doc to give me context for it, so I didn't feel like I was missing out or missing the joke at all. You know. I thought it was so funny having I've watched that documentary so many times and um, it, it had me laughing, really. I, I turned to one of my friends and said, there's nothing tonight's going to get funnier than that. But then <laughs> I, I ended up being wrong. Oh, OK. So this was not your favorite of the night. No, but it was uh, it was very close. It had me laughing really hard. I think I think Heidi is poised to to become a pretty big breakout star on that show yeah i mean i i think she's killing it i think chloe Feynman's killing it and melissa villasenor is always solid. they they got a lot of strong people in the cast right now it's just i think the problem is the cast is just so huge it's tough for 
people, it, it's tougher for people to get their breakout moments and than it used to be, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like, um, I mean, there was like a lot of good moments in uh, this sketch where uh, the two of them are playing quarters, where they're just bouncing quarter against the wall. And um, Michael Jordan, he loses the first time to uh, Wozniak, you know, uh, of course, he took that personally. And then, of course, it just sort of escalates to them betting a thousand dollars. And then, mm-hmm. like, of course, the security guard can't cover that. So it's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll bet your pants. Yeah. Let me, bet, let me bet your gun. Let me bet your hair or a night, a with, night your with your wife. <laughs> Damn. I know. I, I mean, I kind of, I dig the, I did dig this sketch because, you know, as a kid who grew up in the nineties, like I just remember back then, like everybody loved Michael Jordan. Like he was mm-hmm. like a God, like he was like, omnipresent. Yeah, he was like everybody. I remember seeing everybody. It, it seemed to be a thing in the nineties where everybody had at least one article of clothing with the Chicago Bulls logo on it even if you weren't from chicago yeah or you didn't live in chicago you had something with the chicago bulls logo on it right and like now we're kind of look back on on who uh michael jordan was and we're like oh he was like a gambling maniac he was like a psycho <laughs> he's like a sociopath <laughs> well i th- i think you know it's you don't get to the level of a michael jordan unless like you're you're super super driven you know yeah that's true that is yeah. very true yeah, I mean you. I mean, like driven to the the point of being almost psycho about it, you know. Yeah, he is. Oh boy. <laughs> but I mean, I, I thought it was also fun to see uh, Chris Red as Dennis Rodman and and Keenan had a as Barkley had his Charles Barkley impression. Oh yeah, I think yeah. uh, Moffat was uh, Phil Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was funny. Keenan's got to be um, like top five cast members of all time, right? Well, I mean, you know, certainly in terms of tenure, and he he really seems to be beloved, you know. Uh, He's not one of my personal favorites, but, you know, if somebody put them in their top five, I wouldn't be like, oh, why is he there? Yeah, Uh, I think he's so funny. He makes me laugh laugh out loud every episode at least once. No, he's he's good stuff. Yeah, it seems like he's one of those cast members where, like, he doesn't seem to want to leave, and the people love him, so they don't want him to leave, and the show doesn't seem to want him to leave, so it's... He's in like a very rare position where he's. It seems like he's just going to stay there until indefinitely. Until the, until they drag him out. I mean, I've right. I've seen people on Twitter being like, "Oh yeah, Keenan should take over the show when when Lauren retires or whatever." And I'm just like, his, "Does he have any experience with television production outside of <laughs> being in, on TV since he was a kid?" I I don't know. Uh, he was on What Up With That. I think that speaks for itself, sir. Thank sure, you. Sure, sure. Okay. I, I thought this was also uh, kind of unusual in that they had a callback to it in the bumper later on. They should, you, you see them uh, shooting quarters at the SNL logo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Absolutely. Now, now since this was a pre-tape, did you get? Did you see them like working on sets or anything while they were playing yeah. this on the bumper yes. again? Yep. Yeah. So while while that's going on, the the entire studio is getting turned upside down. Mm-hmm. It, it's insane how fast they uh, they they make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. So they would have been setting up for the Muppet Show sketch, right? During this. Okay. Yeah. Right, and and well. you got to see like you know who was playing the various Muppets in the Muppet Show sketch. I'm assuming, right? Yes. It looked okay. like is it Jim Henson's son that runs it now? Yeah, Brian Henson, I think, is is running the show. I, I could be things. wrong, but it looked like he was there. It, it looked, really? Somebody it did looked, not look like real Muppets. They they looked like, you know, replica mock Muppets. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I don't know if they were or not, but my brother pointed out somebody that looked like it could be Jim Henson's kid. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't go like, don't quote me. I, I could be, it may not have even remotely been that guy. Yeah. Well, yeah, making SNL uh, just has a crew person who looks like Brian Henson. Well, didn't, didn't the Muppets get started on SNL? Um, yeah. Jim Henson had like a group of Muppets in like the first year of the show, but they were like original to the show. They weren't the Muppets from the Muppet show. It was, right. it was like called the land of Gorch, I think. Right. And, and, uh, uh, and famous, it's a weird one. Yeah, famously, uh, Michael Donahue did not like writing. No, none of the writers like writing material yeah. for the for the puppets. Yeah, yeah. Michael O'Donohue is a famous SNL writer who said, "I don't write for felt," <laughs> <laughs> which is that's such a great line, man. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's get into the next sketch since we're talking about Muppets. It's the mm-hmm. return of the Muppets with. Uh, what I'm going to say, it's a sketch of the night, uh, the, the Muppet Show sketch. It uh, seems to be the one a lot of people are talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, basically, we start off with uh, the opening of uh, the, the Muppet Show. We see a uh, little Kermit puppet uh, voiced by Kyle Mooney. Mm-hmm. He introduced the, um, the guest for the Muppet Show today, which is Lily Tomlin. We see Melissa Villasenor has an amazing Lily Tomlin impression. Yeah, yeah. Gave him her excuse to break that out. That was good. And and we had uh, Keenan and Keegan uh, as like the Muppet security guards, and they're telling Statler and Waldorf to shut up and just uh, enjoy the show. Which again, I thought was a cool premise. I I could kind of see Keegan's hand in the writing of the show because I felt like they had stronger premises this week. And you know, Key and Peel that was that was for my money like the best sketch comedy of the last ten years or so. Yeah, it was solid. That was um that made me laugh so hard. And I thought, yeah, I I I I agree with you, John. I think it was the best sketch I've seen anywhere in years. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, for, I mean for this sketch we see uh Steve Castillo, Dan Bulla, Mikey Day, and Gary Richardson all had a had a hand in writing this one. And mm. uh yeah, and uh Statlin Waldorf were voiced by uh Mikey and Beck. And uh, I really like the premise of this because, yeah, you know, as comedians, we all have been in places where we've had hucklers come and, you know, disrupt the show. And they've had, you know, security has had to come in and uh, handle them. And then it's a great premise to think, oh, on The Muppet Show, Statlin Waldorf heckle the show constantly every day and no one checks them. No one No one does anything. The security at the Muppet Theater is is very lax. <laughs> they are never called out on it. And, never. And and Keegan and Keegan, they're very aggressive uh, security guards. They're like, you know, hey, hey, everybody here, pay good money to listen to this little dragon and his friends do their thing. And I also like that that Keegan's character is calling Kermit Kramer. He doesn't yeah. really seem to know what the Muppet Show's about. Yeah. A nice touch. And he works um, for the venue, John. Yeah. Who was it that played Lily Tomlin? Whoever did the Lily Tomlin was, I thought, a dead-on impression. That was Melissa Villasenor. She is a killer impressionist, man. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, whenever she has an impression on the show, she, she like, hits it out of the park. She's she's done Dolly Parton. She does a Wanda Sykes. Uh, uh, help me out here, Darren. Who else does she uh, do? Her, her Mulaney is insane. Oh, Lane yeah. is good. Uh, Sarah Silverman, she does. She does a great Kate McKinnon, but she doesn't get to. She hasn't done it really on the show that much. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Kathy Griffin, like she has, she's, she's got like, she, she oh. was on, uh, uh, the late show with, uh, Seth Meyers recently. And she, she busted out a Kristen Wiig impression. Yeah. It like freaked Seth out. <laughs> yeah. He was like, that's too accurate. That's too good. Yeah. Um, she also, she did a Natalie Portman impression, which I, you know, like it's one of those things where what's, what's that sound like Natalie Portman, but then she does it and you're like, Oh yeah, that is a great Natalie Portman. Oh, that's yeah. That, that's what a Natalie Portman impression sounds like. It, it's always interesting when somebody kind of figures out the Rosetta stone of like, this is how you do an impression of this person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, back to this sketch. I mean, this sketch was, you know, phenomenal. Uh, of course, we had Keegan and uh, Keenan talk to the uh, Statlin Waldorf and Stat- mm-hmm. and they're saying, hey, this show sucks. And of course, Keegan repeats, you know, you're more than welcome to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Keegan in particular, he really seemed to be throwing himself into this character. I mean, again, like. It, it was a funny sketch, but his performance really knocked it up a few levels. You it, know? It, it felt like a Key and Peele sketch to me. Like, it yeah. didn't feel like a Saturday Night Live thing. It felt like something that would have that you would have seen on Key and Peele. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the only difference was it was, like, live instead of pre-taped. Right. But um, I'll tell you, like, as soon as that sketch ended, like, you could feel, like, you could feel in the studio people people were losing it. And you knew immediately... This is going to go viral. Everyone's going to be talking about this tomorrow. It's going to be all over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you could definitely feel like, especially um, as the sketch goes on, the part where Keenan and Keegan go up to the balcony, and of course, uh, Keegan loses it and starts beating up Statler. <laughs> yeah, beats up a puppet. I, I liked that they had they had another Statler Muppet with his eyes swollen shut. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just. Uh, call me a simple man, but just beating up puppets is always it'll, it'll always make you <laughs> yeah. smile. And and we we saw uh, Keenan Thompson breaking a little bit, which yes. almost never happens. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. Um, I, I you couldn't. Everybody in the studio was losing it. Like you you mm-hmm. couldn't look in any direction and not see people laughing. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I've actually already had uh, a Facebook friend of mine. He he wrote me uh, about this sketch already. He d- he didn't care for it, but uh, but I mean that shows like the penetration that this has gotten. Like you know, only like twelve hours or so after. Yeah. I'm sure also it's it's got something to do with the generate you know with with the age of the people watching because we you know. I, I I grew up with the Muppet Show, so it was um, right. Sattler and Waldorf were the first. Uh, they were like my first exposure to assholes, you know. And, <laughs> but, but, but assholes are funny, you know. I love that. Are, it kind of made me want to be an asshole. Like I was thinking, funny assholes are still funny. <laughs> that's true that's very true and you know like ken I've, I've seen you on stage you are you are very good about like you know putting hecklers in their place you th- that is something you excel at yeah it's um i mean you have to or or they take over yeah and i do I, I hate hecklers but i do have a very soft spot for statler and waldorf oh sure Absolutely. sure i mean yeah, and also part of me made maybe think, how did they clear this with legal to get the Muppets on this? Because like I thought they're owned by Disney. Like, how did NBC was able to show this? But I don't know. I guess I mean, I'm... like 
I think they would get in trouble if this became like a recurring sketch, but uh. but basically like parody laws are like you can do anything once and it's fine. It's protected as parody. If if they did an ongoing Muppets thing, then they might get into trouble. Got it. All right. But uh, it's, yeah, it's, either- pos- it's possible they cleared it too, you know, just made a yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, Lauren may be in the same billionaires club with the Brian Henson. He just, you know, called him up and he said, you know, hey, before we go on the uh, Elon Musk super rocket, can we do this Muppet scale? <laughs> sure thing, Mister Mister Boss. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, that's how I imagine he talks. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Muppet Show sketch of the night. This one was a hoot. Yeah, this was this was probably sketch of the night for me too. I mean, I think at this point I'm I'm feeling like it's a really solid show and I was like and 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 Keegan honestly because he's got such an extensive sketch comedy background, he feels like somebody who could have been in the cast, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. He he just he just melded right in with this cast. Yeah, you and you you got the sense of what a big deal it was for him. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he conveyed that. So during commercial breaks, he was coming out and talking to the crowd, telling really? yeah, telling them how much how much he loved that he was getting to do this and thanking oh, wow. us. Yeah, he, he was you you could tell it was I, I think he even said at the very end this was better than the dream. Like you could tell that it yeah. was this dude's dream to to host Saturday Night Live and that he wasn't that he was that he was soaking it in. Yeah, he said that during Good Nights. I'm I'm amazed that he had the time to come out and engage the audience in between sketches. That's that's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it was like something he wasn't in or he wasn't doing costume or, or he'd come out with a minute to go and just talk to us. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's that, that seems really cool. What a good guy he sounds like. Super yeah, cool. he uh yeah, he 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 came he came off very you were you were rooting for him all night. For sure. Yep, that is cool. That is cool. You know, and Ken, have you ever seen a movie called Don't Think Twice that, that Keegan Michael Key's in? Yeah, that's the uh, the improv movie. Right, right. It's uh, written and directed by Mike Burbigley, and it's like an improv troupe, and, and Keegan Michael Key is a member who gets onto a, like a, a very SNL like right. show. I, yes. I thought that was like very interesting that, you know, Keegan had that in his history. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, we're I'm sure we're gonna cover that uh, movie on on SNL Nerd someday. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. that's right up yeah. there. But the, but this was strong sketch. Yeah, strong sketch. Thumbs up. Strong. Thumbs up. Okay, so next we had uh, a sketch called uh, Gemma and DJ Balls. Uh, this is bringing <laughs> back one of Cicely Strong's recurring characters. Um, our friends at SNL Stats uh, tells us that this is the fifth time that uh, Gemma has come back, and. Uh, we got uh, a group of friends gathering at TGI Fridays. Uh, it's Keenan's character's birthday. His wife, Lisa, has left him, so he's in a down in a funk. <laughs> right. Uh, I believe she said it was the two-week mark after her second Pfizer shot. <laughs> yeah. And she said she's finally free. Sure. <laughs> and the performers uh, there for the birthday party, who, who you know, the, the friends did not know that his wife has let, left him, so they're kind of oblivious, but it's... It's Gemma, who's like the British musician, quote unquote, and and uh, Keegan is DJ Balls, uh, and who, who know? Who, it turns out Keegan knows Keenan from a pickup artist workshop that they did together. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like that just because it was so specific. 
I have to yeah, be honest, I don't even know what a pickup artist workshop is. Oh, there there is a show probably like a decade ago on VH1. There's a, there was this this dude Oh called, yeah, the pickup art. Oh right, yeah. You remember that dude yes, Misty with the fuzzy yes, hat? Okay. <laughs> like yeah. there, there are guys who specialize yeah. in picking up women. They've like made it into a science, like literally. Um there, there's a there's a book about it. Um, it's it's written by the same guy who wrote the the book about Motley Crue, The Dirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he actually went into the whole pickup artist subculture, and he he wrote this whole book about it. And um, I do remember that show now, and I don't yeah. know why I didn't connect that last night. Well, I yeah, I don't think pickup artist workshops are the thing they used to be. <laughs> 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 but, but yeah, it's like it's all these guys they they worked out all of these extensive methods to make to you know, yeah, to like, you know, pick up women and and score with them. Right, like you got to wear like flair or Yes, flair, like that's a, right. Like rings right. and a big old Jamaican hat. Yeah, you you have to neg the women. You have to like you give them a compliment, but it's like in a sort of negative way to because you're demonstrating higher value. They've got all these they've got terms for everything. It's it's so weird and it's so twisted, man. Yeah, it's it's something else. <laughs> it is something else. Um, uh, uh, I, I mean, as far as sketches go, I thought the sketch was OK. Um, it seems like they were, they were kind of playing on a lot of, you know, stuff like, uh, you know, she mentioned like her getting her bum bleached and. They kept referring. They kept referencing the fact that maybe Keenan's character had a boner the whole time. That seemed to yeah, be like yeah. an ongoing thing. And I was like, oh. and at, at the end of the sketch, he's he doesn't want to st- uh, stand up because it turns out he he does have an erection. So um, yeah, I didn't I didn't love this sketch. I actually, it's weird. I liked it a little better until John just told me that that was the fifth time they've done it. <laughs> It was like, it was okay. It definitely dragged, but I Uh kind of like some of those like absurdist moments, like those short little absurd bursts of comedy, which Cecily, you know, some of the, some of the shit that came out of her mouth was, was way out there and made me laugh. But yeah, the the line that implied that she she had her, her, her asshole pleach. I was like, whoa, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But now that you tell me that's been done five times, it feels like oh, they're they don't they don't know what to do. They're they're, they're having like, trouble writing new things. Well, I feel like part of the reason they did it was because um, it, it's very possible that Cecily might be leaving the show soon, so she might have wanted to do like one more sketch with that character before she her, okay. her tenure came to an end. That's that's like my working theory on that. Um, you know, we don't know if she is leaving the show at this point, but it, it's one of her characters. Like, you know, it seems like whenever they bring her on as as Gemma, it's like Gemma, and then she's got some weird boyfriend, which is usually the host. And and there and, and I think Keenan's usually one of the people, right? Yeah, he's always around. He's he's Keenan, always Keenan. around, and they're always like the boyfriend's always like, hey, you know, she really turns you on, right? Um. So yeah, there there is a bit of a formula to it. Maybe not as much as some characters, but yeah, I mean there was one line I liked where, you know, the, uh, Gemma talks about Keenan's wife not being there, and she says, "Oh, don't worry, you'll get to see her again in heaven." And yeah. Keenan's like, "She's not dead." 
And then <laughs> and she was like, "Oh, great, girl power." <laughs> that got that got a chuckle out of me. I'll give you I'll give you that. Yeah. Um I I thought this was more odd than than funny personally, but you know, it was fine. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I I'm I'm in line with you. It was mm-hmm. it was all right. I had a, it made me chuckle here or there, but it wasn't it was no Muppet. It was no beating uh, Muppets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I felt like it was good character work and good performances from Cecily and Keegan. So, yeah, fair enough. Uh, so uh, next up, we have our musical guest. We have uh, Olivia Rodrigo saying two songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's saying uh, "Driver's License" and what's the other one? Uh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, and it's good. The number four and just the letter U because apparently she's Prince. So so him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> She's print. Uh, yeah, guys, what do we think of Olivia Rodrigo? Like, uh, have any of you guys heard of her before uh, now? She's, she seems to be a big old deal amongst the kids these days. Uh, yeah, she seems to be popular with the kids. I, my basic reaction was like, I feel like I, I could have been into this if I was a sixteen-year-old girl, but I am not, so therefore I was not. So, yeah, uh, it. Yeah. it uh... You know what? Like, I, I think I'm too old to have an opinion on her. <laughs> yeah. Like, she, you know, she's 18. Like, any, anything you say will put you on a list. Right. She's 18, but she 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 looks like she's 14, you know? So it was just... It, <laughs> it just like, feels wrong commenting like, on her at all. Do yeah. I look? Do I look away? I don't know. But um, I liked... I actually liked her band... And um, it's been so I'm such a huge music fan and it's been so long since I've seen live music that, um, listen, wouldn't have been my first choice, but it was nice just it was nice just to see um, just to see live music again. I I was was thinking I I was so positive that the musical guest was going to be the Black Keys because they put an album out on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would have been great. That would have been great. Or Saint, I know they just had Saint Vincent, but Saint Vincent put an album out this week too. So that would have been. I would have assumed, you know, before Saint Vincent did it, I would have just assumed it would have been one of the two of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'm with you. Like, uh, I mean, I did enjoy. I, I thought her stuff was okay. Um, you know, the song "Driver's License" is a very kind of melancholy song about getting over an ex, which is, you know kind of i mean it's a, it's a topic that's been done 100, 100 times to death you know it's, it's a very kind of emo slow pop punkish not pop punkish but very emo song and then the second song good for you uh it like when she did that song it reminded me a lot a lot of uh like you ought to know i was like oh this is her Alanis more set you ought to know song yeah like you know yeah. just like like fuck you man i hate you you ex ex guy you suck like it was like that sort of she was kind of channeling that you know lady rage and whatnot yeah. and um but yeah I think I'm with you guys like this music I mean I think this music is fine but I think if I was like you know like teenage Darren might have liked this a little bit more like you know emo teenage Darren might have been like oh this is this song speaks to my soul like yeah. it's 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 more it's a it's a song definitely for a younger crowd definitely um, definitely I, I feel like I'm I'm like three decades too late to really appreciate this. <laughs> you know, I think it's fine. It's yeah, it's great. But you know, most, most popular music these days, I'm just like, okay, yeah, that, that is the thing. That's, that's what the kids are listening to. Yeah. Right on. So, uh, 
But yeah, that's, I've, that's I've long said this. This show is just going to become a document of me losing touch with pop culture. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times! All right, so uh, I guess we'll just move on to the next thing. That's weekend update. Yeah, with, uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che. Hey, hey. Um, yeah, so they they hit on the news items of the week. Uh, I think you know one of the big news stories of the week. We had Liz Cheney being removed from her leadership role. In the Republican Party, I thought Che had her nice line. He says, "Like, I never thought I'd find myself feeling bad for Liz Cheney," and I was right. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Che had some great ones. Like, especially later in the segment, uh, there was the one where he was talking about um, Leonard Skinner, how somebody stole twelve thousand dollars worth of Leonard Skinner, Leonard Skinner memorabilia, and he was like, "So all of it?" <laughs> yeah, that was great. Uh, he had what else did he have? Oh, um. He had a couple that were like the audience has got like that weird reaction. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, that to the gun, weird. yeah, to the gun joke. There, you've heard an audible groan. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, it's, well, for those that don't know, the joke is him saying that uh, massive weapons stash were seized, but you know, by the government, the U.S. government, and um, those weapons were were taken back, seized, and they are being returned to the U.S. where they can safely be sold to the mentally disturbed. <laughs> that's a dark joke but it's a good joke yes, it's a very good joke but like uh, i mean the thing i i love jay in general but one thing i particularly love about him and i think this just comes from him being a stand-up is if the if a joke he tells doesn't go over well he he's usually like yeah i stand by that he does not care about the audience's reaction he's right. just like no that's a good joke screw you yeah. guys. i mean the second joke he told is just as you know sort of uh backs what you just set up, where he's talking about how researchers are trying to determine why humans have a desire to feed squirrels and pigeons. And uh, like, I'm no expert, but it's probably because their wife passed away. <laughs> yeah, and was... the audience was like, oh, no. <laughs> and it just cuts to a picture of this sad old man on a bench. Uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, he, Even he was like, I don't know why I thought that'd make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I do like Che, just because he's... Like, I've always said, like, SNL works best when it has a little element of danger to it. And he's, like, sort of the last bastion of that. Like, he's the last kind of, I'll just say this joke. I know it's really dark and messed up, but it is funny. Mm Kind of like, uh, you know, maybe like like Norm MacDonald. I was just going to say Norm. Yeah, that's Weekend Updates where you get to do all that. The Weekend Update for me is always the must-watch. Like it, yeah. if, if it's a, if it's a terrible show, I'll fast forward through every single sketch. Just watch Weekend Update and be done. Yeah, yeah, right. No, fair enough. I'm with you. Yeah, and uh, you know it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, because Chase, another pe- person who might be leaving the show because he's got like a new sketch show on HBO. Uh, he he tweeted or he didn't tweet. He yeah. had an Instagram thing, and he was like, you know, three shows left. So like maybe he's leaving at the end of the season. We don't know for sure. So, uh, but if he goes, I'm I'm definitely going to miss him, man. Yeah, he's he will be missed. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. We'll see him in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had we had also had a couple desk segments on Weekend Update. We had Kate McKinnon appearing as Liz Cheney, who doesn't quite understand why she was removed. She was like, "I'm everything a Republican woman is supposed to be: blonde and mean." Uh, good line, I thought. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate McKinnon kind of, she had this sort of accent to her voice, this where she was like, kind of drawing out, you know, like very nasally, 
type of voice that I kind of got a kick out of. Um, yeah, yeah, she's like you said, she's she's a, she does her Liz Cheney character doesn't understand why conservatives are leaving her, you know, high and dry, even though you know she voted for Trump and she uh, she opposed gay marriage, even though she has a gay sister. Yep, which I did, I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that is that is a thing. <laughs> That wow. is, I remember, like during the vice presidential debates, I guess when uh, Obama was running uh, the first time, um, like uh, Joe Biden during one of the debates, he me- he mentioned uh, Dick Cheney's like gay daughter, and he was and Dick Cheney was like, "Well, oh, thank you for mentioning her, and I don't have anything else to say about that." <laughs> you know, it's like he's he's such a hardcore right guy. You know, that's got to be embarrassing for him. You know, yeah. I could see that. Um, yeah, my heart, my heart bleeds for Dick Cheney. Oh, I mean, <laughs> look, he's he's overcome such hardship, like shooting a dude in the face, um, and and the guy had to apologize to Dick Cheney. That's, I know. That that is incredible to me. That's still, I'm like, that is a thing that happened. Yes. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I never saw that. Uh, what was that movie where? Uh, Christian Bale plays Vice. Vice that movie yeah. is amazing. Yeah, is it? I, I is it? I haven't seen it. I've probably watched it five times. Like Adam McKay directed that, right? Yes. Yeah, that yeah. movie. That movie is incredible. I I still need to check that out. Yeah. Um, Steve I, Steve Carell's Donald Rumsfeld. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I've I've heard I know of it, but like I just say just from everything I know about uh, Dick Cheney, I was like I don't know if I want to see this movie. It, see all about all the stuff he got away with it might make you feel I, like I might have enough distance from the Bush administration that I, I could watch that now yeah hmm. all right. yeah I, it's what what's <laughs> what went on the last few years the Bush doesn't seem so terrible it, it, it almost seems <laughs> quaint I, I was watching <laughs> I, I was watching um, uh, just the other day I was watching uh, uh, Mike Birbiglia's uh, stand-up special from 2008, my my secret public journal, and at one point he starts talking about Bush, and it just it just seems so innocent. Now, it was a simpler time, John, and and <laughs> I I hated W at the time. You know, I mean, yeah. I was like, oh, he is undeniably the worst president we will ever have, and hold my beer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We did not know what we were in for, man. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but overall, yeah, this Liz Cheney segment, I thought it was okay. I thought it wasn't too bad. It was all uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's Kate McKinnon. How can you how can you not like it? Yeah, America's sweetheart. Exactly. Um, we also had uh, Andrew Dismukes making his first appearance uh, doing a desk piece for Update, talking about his great-grandmother. Um, this really just felt like a chunk of his stand-up act in the middle of Update. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you probably... You guys probably laughed at the same part I did, where he was talking about how he was from Texas, and then he waits a beat for the audience to applaud. No applause. No That's reaction, the- and he just goes, okay, great. <laughs> and Colin Jones just laughed in his face. Uh, because there's nothing funnier than seeing your friend bomb. Damn straight. That really is the best feeling ever. I once you know, walked, I once at Gotham, I once walked out of Seinfeld because I got a text that a friend was bombing downstairs in the lounge. <laughs> <laughs> I left Seinfeld to go see a friend bomb. Because <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so great, especially if they're doing like their tried and true material. <laughs> that yeah. you know they've done a million times before or or you or you see like a friend of yours like screw up 
a joke that he'd done a million times. Oh, it's the best. Hey, Ken, you got to come down here. This guy's eating shit. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, that was great. That was great. Nothing comics find funnier than seeing our friends fail. I was, I was sitting with another comic and I got the text, you need to get downstairs. I won't say his name, but so-and-so's bombing. And then I showed the comic I was with the text. Like we looked at each other, understood, like we just nodded and then got up and ran downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Fantastic. I love that. Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Andrew, uh, Andrew just mutes back to him. Uh, like yeah. he goes on to talk about, uh, he, he kind of leads up to talking about his great grandma. Like he mentioned long him. lead up. I mean, so yeah. much so that Colin just, he had a good line. He was like, I'm glad we finally arrived at the topic. <laughs> yeah. Cause he mentioned his, uh, pictureless, uh, photoless Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he thought, uh, Fraser was British. And and, 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 and by the way, they had to lock Andrew just mutes Wikipedia page. Because no. I think too many people were trying to add photos. Oh shit! All right, that, that makes sense. Yeah. And I also liked how, like, when he after he mentioned the the Fraser joke, and like what you said, uh, Colin Joe said, "Oh, we finally got to what you're talking about." Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, we, and, we finally arrived at the topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh, Andrew said, "Yeah, well, you know, I had to had to set aside time to tell that Fraser joke, which crushed." <laughs> You know what it almost reminded me of? I mean, I know he didn't, like, make a plea, but it almost felt like when Bill Murray came out and was like, look, you got, like, I hope, why won't you guys like me? Like they oh yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it sort story. of felt like that to me. Like, yeah, because I mean, Andrew Dismukes, he's he's in that that weird first year featured player state where he's been there, but he still hasn't really had a breakout thing yet. But I I think this might have been it for him. Yeah, this this sketch really or this segment really en- endured me to him. It got me to know yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, more he came out very likable. Yeah, yeah, very likable and more like, oh, okay, now I know what this guy's about. Like the fact yeah. that he he talked about the movie Brink, which is a Disney Channel original, I guess that I've never heard of, but apparently a lot of people in the audience knew about. Like people were like, oh yeah, I, I remember watching Brink. And I'm sure it's on like a lot of BuzzFeed's list. Uh, you know, like you know, you're a '90s kid if you watch Brink on the Disney Channel. Yeah, something. I mean, I, I looked it up on IMDb, and like, yeah, it's like this really kind of low budget Disney movie that came out in '98. And the only person I recognized in the in the cast was uh, the one dude that played the Black Power Ranger on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Everybody else I did not recognize, but it, it is weird how him mentioning the movie Brink got more applause. Than him mentioning he was from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the audience knows what they like, man. <laughs> they do. They do. I do. Oh. I do hate that. Like, I'll see. Like, sometimes if I'm doing stand up and I, I'll mention, like, oh, I have, uh, you know, I'll mention my daughter. I'll be like, so I have a five year old, and it gets no applause. But uh-huh. then, then somebody will get up and be like, oh, I just lost fifteen pounds, and the place goes nuts. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I, I like, I made a human. <laughs> that's tougher than losing weight right yeah i created life <laughs> what did you do maybe it's just because you're a dad yeah. you know yeah. yeah damn it so you got to go up in a uh, drag next time I guess. <laughs> that's how you'll get them you'd be like i have a five-year-old daughter and then i transitioned <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll work uh but yeah th- i mean this is this uh this muke segment i i really dug it i thought I thought it was hilarious and kind of humanized me to the kid and made me feel like, oh, okay, I know 
a little bit more about you and you know know about your personality and who you are like i i thought this was a thumbs up yeah yeah it was a good segment i'm uh, i haven't gotten to rewatch that yet but i'm gonna have to check that out again um, and lastly, we had uh, Beck Bennett uh, doing a desk segment as uh, horse trainer uh, Ben. Oh, that was so funny. Baffert, who is who was in the news because he <laughs> his horse Medina Springs had a failed drug test uh, for the uh, the Kentucky Derby, right? Uh, Medina Sprint, yeah. Like yeah. She w- the horse won the Kentucky Derby and then tested positive for, I guess, enhancement drugs. Yeah, and and this guy was like claiming that it's because of cancel culture, which yes, I I don't, I, I <laughs> would, that makes no sense. But <laughs> this is what we do now. We blame everything on cancel culture. It's how we get around things. <laughs> and I think Donald Trump actually like referred to the horse as a drug addict. He like, no, 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 the horse did not develop this problem on his own. <laughs> He called the horse a junkie. Yeah, like he called like, him a junkie. That yeah, was it. Yeah, okay. like like the horse sold his mom's silverware. To, like like to, the horse is going heroin. downtown to score some horse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> come on, baby. I need I need it. Come on, come on! I'll blow you for it. Yeah, get it together, horse. <laughs> horse, you got to get off the horse. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but I mean, as far as this segment goes, I, you know, Beck is always good at portraying kind of, you know, dubious, sleazy characters like this. I think I saw yeah. online somewhere somebody was saying he kind of played it like a cross between like Bob Guccione, but he kind of talks like Andy Warhol. Yeah. <laughs> character. yeah. I can see that. And he kept, he kept grabbing Shay's hand. Oh yeah, I, I don't think I caught that. I don't know if you if you if if the cameras picked it up, but every time he would turn and talk to Shay, he would clasp his hand. Oh, that's great! Just added it, it, it. Like even knowing it's a sketch and they're actors, it made me uncomfortable. Like it just <laughs> it just added a level of creepiness to this guy's character that I thought was such a great little detail. Yeah, I think they did show he was like touching Che's hand quite a bit. Yeah, even Che, even che mentions like, "Hey, what do you keep touching me for?" <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know. What? I don't know if it was written that way or if the guy was just, you know, if uh, if it was just a, a choice he made right then and there in the moment. I, I would love it if Beck just started doing that during air and di- and didn't tell Che he was going to do it. <laughs> that would be great. I think I think that was a decision he made. It seemed like it because I think uh-huh. Michael. Uh, che is like, what are you touching me for? And Becca's like, what? I like touch. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this I got. I dug this this segment. It gave me a few laughs. I thought it was okay. I like the fact that uh, uh, Beck said, you know, as his character Bob Baffert saying, what this this horse had a rough upbringing. He fell out of his mother's hole, and me, and as soon as he was born, I looked at him and said, run, you little bitch. <laughs> like stuff like that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I dug this. I thought it was all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I felt like it was generally a solid weekend update. Uh, how'd you guys like it? I, uh, I thought it was very solid. Yeah. Yeah, overall pretty solid. Um, so uh, next up, we got a sketch that, oddly enough, is not on YouTube or Hulu. Uh, the Gershwin tribute. Yeah, yeah, this was... Um... <laughs> uh, Cecily and Kate McKinnon they're like two old Broadway actors who are doing a, a tribute to George Gershwin 
uh, and they're singing I've Got Rhythm, but they have to be <laughs> prompted for every line of the song. They're just like, line, line, line. Um, right. And, uh, and Go ahead. What I was gonna say, yeah, this, and then we have uh, Mikey as like as a stage manager feeding in the line. So we get we get some uh, incredulous Mikey once again. I mean, incredulous Mikey Day. That is probably my favorite Mikey Day. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's always fun to see, particularly in in the war with words <laughs> sketches. Uh, and then we had we had Keegan pop up as uh, the king of Broadway. Who's is under the impression that it's a celebration of Gina Gershon <laughs> instead of George Gershwin, which I love. I love the absurdity of that gag. And and honestly, why shouldn't we celebrate Gina Gershon? Just I mean, just for showgirls alone. Damn straight. <laughs> and bam. I, oh oh whoa! Let's oh boy! Let's all right. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> uh, the movie turned me from a boy to a man. <laughs> Um, I, I just also thought it was interesting that we had another mention of the Blue Man Group in this sketch. Yeah, what's with the Blue Man Group being <laughs> like the go-to for for tonight's show? It's it's so weird when SNL has like multiple mentions of a particular thing over the course of a show, and it's just like what this was just like really on the writers' brains this week, man. I guess somebody just went to see the Blue Man Group and like, dude, guys, I can't get them off my mind. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought the sketch was okay. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did like the energy that the, they were bringing, but yeah, it didn't seem, I don't know, it seemed a little maybe directionless or just kind of seemed to kind of going all over the place. Or maybe they were just kind of hitting on the same note over and over again. I don't know. There's yeah. something about it. It seemed that it seemed okay, but it wasn't. You know what it felt like to me? You remember when Kristen Wiig used to do that character of, you know, the, the washed up uh, Broadway actress? Right. She was on the Password type show. Yes. It yeah. felt like a rehashed version of that sketch a little bit. Mm. I was now. Was this Kate McKinnon's like old actress character who's who's like she's always on the retrospectives and she's always talking about how she was like abused on set, but it wasn't like abused by the standards of the day because it looked like the exact same character. Uh, sound, yeah, I think it was. I, okay. I couldn't. I, I that didn't. Even, I know what you're talking about, but that didn't even occur to me. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember the character's name, and I'd have to like look it up and and watch the sketch again to see if it was this the same character but i feel like she was playing that same character it also reminded me a little of um the type of character like molly shannon used to do where she was like i'm 50 and uh, you know and, and she did like an old broadway hoofer yeah. sally o'malley yeah yeah that was it that was it so i mean i i feel like this was elevated by the performances more than than anything you know yeah, and also it it is strange that it's not on any of the streaming services. Is that because I guess is George Gershwin stuff like protected? No, that's got to be public domain by now, right? I, I mean, don't know, man. I don't know. Man. I'm, saying that, I'm saying that with no um, working knowledge of when George Gershwin was alive. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, who does? And, 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 you know, it's going to have been the 1950s. I have no idea. There and and you know, unfortunately, there is just no way that technology can let us know when George Gershwin. <laughs> We're I not mean, there they, yet. We're not there yeah, yet. We just don't have that technology. I mean, maybe someday. Maybe it's someday in a science fiction future. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. Um, but 
you know, hey, we can we can look up stuff about Gina Gershon. So and that's really yes. all you need. God bless America. <laughs> uh, next, we had uh, this was, uh, I believe, the, the final sketch of the night. High school graduation uh, with uh, Keegan. No, wait, Keegan wasn't the wasn't the principal. Who was the principal? It was Alex Moffat, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And uh, the the graduation ceremony is being disrupted by parents who want to cheer their individual kids. Right. Uh, yeah. So basically, it's a simple enough premise. It's you know we've all been to high school graduations and like whenever they call up the people to give out the diplomas, you know you'll you'll of course you'll notice some students get more applause and cheers from the audience than others. Yeah. So and that's that's pretty much it. It's just like you know they're calling up a student on stage, then the uh, the family members like, yeah, you did it, woo. Yeah. That type of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and, mean, and they're asking to to hold the applause for until the end for everyone, um, but uh, yeah, people are ignoring that directive. Right, and uh, you know we see um, Ego and Keenan are a couple who cheer when their son gets up and uh, accepts his diploma, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you did it. Hey, hey, show off your show off your robe, show off the belt we got you. It's it's a Gucci belt. It doesn't say it's Gucci on it, but it is. Yeah. Um, honestly, like at the beginning of this, because it was like a high school graduation thing, I thought they might've been doing a, a reprise of what they did on Kristen Wiig's last episode at first, where, where Mick Jagger was doing it like it was a graduation yeah. and then they sang Ruby Tuesday for her. That was, that was my first thought when I saw they were doing that, but it, I quickly realized it wasn't that I did uh, like a line at the beginning where Alex Moffat, he's like, Oh, well, thank you for playing that and it's like a student with a violin he's like life is indeed a highway (laughs) (laughs) i went back for that sketch where i was seated i could see all the cue cards oh interesting so i I was reading the jokes like you know a second before they got before they got said it was um so as they were playing the violin, I, I looked over and saw that life is indeed a highway. And I was laughing before Mikey even, or uh, before Moffat even said it. Nice. nice. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so yeah. you saw Wally. <laughs> yeah, I went back and listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, that does sound like life is a highway. <laughs> it was the end of that song. I was just it, like, yeah. I remember that song. <laughs> I still remember that. I, I celebrate that song every day. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good song. Underrated right. song. Get you pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think my, my other big takeaway on this was, was Beck's character. Beck had like a fake goatee on that just, it made him look really creepy. He looked like a child molester, man. (laughs) Wheelhouse. And and maybe that was the, was the goal, but I was like, I'm just disturbed by Beck and that goatee. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, overall I thought the sketch was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's 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 it was a very simple premise. Again, it's you know, it's one of those premises where it's so simple, it's kind of up to the performers to really elevate it. Um, and yeah, it's just um, Alex Moffat kind of being the incredulous, uh, was it the incredulous uh, uh, principal? Yeah, you know, trying to tell everybody in the audience to uh, pipe down and. You know, them it was uh, it was a little long, maybe not quite as odd as you want like a ten to one sketch to be, but uh, you know, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought for the last sketch of the night, it was pretty funny. You know, mm-hmm. that's usually where they go to dump everything, but um, it made me laugh. It's either where they put the really weird stuff, or 
or, or yeah, the, or this, the, you know, the, the, the more writerly stuff, you know? Right. Like there was that one joke that came on where, uh, one of the students was coming up to receive a diploma and the principal says her name is, uh, Letitia Adams or something like that. Yeah. And it's a white girl coming up and then you hear Keenan saying a white girl named Letitia. I didn't see that coming. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it was weird. I thought that because, in the sketch, the, the the white kids went through initially to very mm-hmm. minimal cheering and applause. Then it's the black families that were making all the noise and disrupting, and it, it, it kept happening. And then I, I started getting a tiny bit uncomfortable, like like there was a racial undertone. And yeah. then, but then when they flashed to Ad Bryant's family and did like the the white trash family that that couldn't stop cheering that, yeah. you know, it's weird like it, it i felt relief like it was like oh, the, like, <laughs> the ten, like the tension had dissipated for me it it did feel like they were going to go along like the black and white lines but yeah at one point i was like oh well but i see beck and 80 sitting behind so obviously they're going to do something with them yeah. they weren't short of extras uh yeah yeah no i definitely think they added you know uh dismukes beck and 80 in there to like sort of Maybe they did feel like, oh, are we, are we saying all black people are loud? That's that's what I thought was that's what I thought was happening at first. I was like, oh, this is not this isn't a great message. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so I, I do think maybe they threw them in there just to like be like, no, we're not saying all black people are loud in uh, public places. So here's right. poor white people that are just as loud. <laughs> uh, but white people was, can be loud in places too. That's right. <laughs> it's twenty twenty one, man. Uh, and yeah, that sketch was written by uh, Brian Tucker. Uh, but yeah, um, not a bad way to end the night. I thought it was all right. Yeah. Uh, we also had a couple of cut for time sketches uh, that are up on YouTube. Uh, the first one's called Rap Diss, which was uh, Keegan Michael Key as a rapper. He's making a diss track, uh, but he's saying that he's he's sorry and he's apologizing for all the things that he's done. Right. So I mean, this. I mean, so like, so this sketch is basically a nod to all the. Uh, those rap beef, uh, you know, rap beefs from the '90s, especially you know the Biggie and Tupac thing, where people were just shooting each other, like you know, over stuff they were saying on wax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, the I guess the storyline in this one is, what was it? Uh, Keegan was playing this rapper. I think it's like uh, Psycho Loke or something like that. And he was he got shot at by. Um, this other rapper for you know maybe snitching on him, right? So right. He put out this diss track, and on the diss track, he's saying, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Yeah. To, I didn't mean to snitch on you." And and, and he's also confessing his trauma after his near death experience. Like he's waking up at night. Uh, he's saying, like you know, he did talk to the cops, but the cops already knew stuff, and I just told them what was right. <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, and I'm sorry for sleeping with your baby mama, but I want to start a family with her. So I want to." And we see him like proposing. To the baby mama. Yeah. And, you know, her, he, he wants to be a father to the baby mama's son. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to need a father because you're, you know, you're going to be in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like this. I thought this was a cool premise. I honestly wish this had been in the show. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it's pretty much all Keegan in this yeah. one sketch. But, uh, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think it was strong enough to maybe replace uh, another sketch in the show that wasn't maybe as strong. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's why it was cut, because it was pretty Keegan-centric. It didn't really utilize the cast too much. So, um, but, but I really liked it. Um, 
there's another cut for time sketch up on YouTube uh, called Sending Drinks. Uh, this was uh, Kate and Edie at a uh, at a bar, a restaurant, and Keegan Michael Key sends them drinks. He's he's this weird kind of pervy looking guy, and then we have Bo and Yang as a similar pervy guy, and they're they're doing weird things like sending them drinks and then sending them 100 oysters that they brought with them. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of escalates. Like we see Keegan. Like his outfit is—he's basically wearing like this, like fur, this faux fur coat and a bucket hat, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like a fur coat that's green. And then we see um, also Bone Yang—he's the one also fighting for the lady's affection. He's also wearing a also bucket. in a bucket hat, also in a bucket hat with like a blue fur coat. Big bucket hat energy in this sketch. That's right. Um, Bring it back like the waiters they're speculating they're they're like they're either here for comic-con or the porn producers convention <laughs> <laughs> and and they're fighting out for the affections of of kate and 80 uh like they, they pull out knives and they're combating and uh at the and both the women they're so hard up after a year of COVID, they're like okay yeah let's let's do this uh yeah i mean over this was a weird one but it's it did I don't know. I, I I I did chuckle at it. I thought I thought some parts were pretty mm-hmm. funny, but it is a weird one. And also, I found out uh, this sketch was cut from last week. So I think this was supposed to be on the Elon Musk episode, but it that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, well, it did not make it. So Elon, I mean, because Keegan Michael Key and Elon Musk, they do go up for a lot of the same parts. So they do. They do. That's uh, that's not too surprising. Uh, yeah, I watched this. I was like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see why this was cut. Yeah, it's just. It's just like a bizarre one. Like this one, this is a ten to one sketch, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty odd and out there. But you know, I still got a few chuckles out of it. I'd say. Yeah. All right. Well. So that that was the show. I mean, we had we had the good nights, and I, the thing that really struck me was like Keegan at the end. He was like better than the dream. So I mean, he apparently had a really good experience with the show, and. I hope they bring him back. I think he was a really strong host. I feel like he, like he has enough strength. He could become one of the regular recurring hosts, you know, like, like the way John Mulaney is now, or the way they bring back Scarlett Johansson or Alec Baldwin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, somebody should put him in his, in his own sketch show. I think that'd be kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, (laughs) one one of our, one of our Twitter uh, followers, Oh, it's a, uh, a Darren Patterson says they should pair him up with that guy that directed Get Out. I hear he's pretty funny. Yeah, wow. that guy sounds very wise. That would never work. That's, that's <laughs> dumb. Um, so let's see. We we got we got a few uh, reactions uh, on the Twitter. Uh, let's see. My my old uh, culture mate Scott Hume says a funny SNL. I thought this was the best episode in a while. The Muppets were the highlight for me, no doubt in part due to the fact. Uh, that Statler and Waldorf really do deserve to get roughed up by security for all their antics. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, apparently a real drive to uh, see Statler and Waldorf uh, get beaten. <laughs> Who knew that's what people wanted? That's what that's what people wanted. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also got uh, another uh, tweet from a uh, you know longtime fan, Bill Brasky, saying Bill uh, Brasky, uh, <laughs> saying Keegan was slightly underused, although he got to shine in the Muppet sketch and the graduation sketch. Last week, you described Chad as no one's favorite recurring character. How do you feel about the return of Gemma? Haha. Uh, I definitely like Gemma better than Chad because, you know, how could you not? 
Yeah, I would say that. And uh, I think with Gemma, because we don't get her as much as we do Chad, so she doesn't wear out her welcome. And plus, yeah. in, in all of her sketches, she's not really the focus because she's always paired up with somebody else. So yeah. it's not all yeah, It's of, kind of like an equal showcase for the host. Yeah, so it's yeah. not all... She's not, like, carrying the whole sketch on her shoulders. It's not all about her. So that we get her in, like, a lot smaller doses than yeah. we do Chad. So we're able to... So like, yeah, yes. I mean, because they've done like something like seven or eight Chad sketches, and the, I understand this was only like the fifth uh, Gamma appearance. But yeah, we, uh, I feel like we, I thought we got like ten Chad. We've got, we've gotten a lot of Chad. I mean, it, it may just feel like that. I don't know. <laughs> a little Chad goes a long way. Feels like an eternity. Uh, let's see. Our follower uh, Mikey says, "Wow, best episode in a long time, and the most I've laughed at a cold open in a while." Muppet sketch was the highlight for me. Yeah, again, that seems really popular. Weekend update strong again, and Keegan Michael Key was the perfect host that we all know he would be. Uh, almost feeling like an alum returning. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think all his all his sketch comedy experience really showed during the show. I mean, he's he's a really strong performer. No, absolutely. And uh, just one more before we close it out the the show. Uh, our good friend Manette Moratti says Dismutes unfortunately seemed to seemed to know he was bombing a bit during his weekend update segment. But he took it like a pro and muscled on to good results. That's what that's what made him endearing, though. That's yeah. that's what's gonna that's what's gonna make people connect with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think. Uh, I mean, again, like on SNL, especially when you're a new cast member, you're always trying to sort of break through and have that one thing that connects you to your audience. So you you know you stand out a little bit more. And I think this was the part, the segment that like endeared everybody to Andrew. So like, I think now. The audience is like, "Oh yeah, I like that guy. He he, he bombed, and he just kept on going. I, yeah, he's good stuff. Yeah. I want to see even more sketches. So I think this this might be the beginning of a uh, dismucasance." <laughs> I, I want that to happen just because I like the term dismucasance so much. I don't even know how to say. It. I don't even. Know how to say it. I just made it up. But yeah. Um. But yeah, and that's that's the episode, guys. Uh. So yeah. ov- overall, I think this was a pretty good episode um, solid sketch definitely a, a return to form after the severely disappointing elon musk episode let's not talk about that ever again we agreed we wouldn't talk about that. that's true that's true we're still we're still processing our trauma for that i mean uh ken any other cool behind the scenes tidbits that you want you want to share about uh, your experience seeing the show there, you know what i was surprised so like they they really um what i wasn't expecting so like 15 minutes before the show started Shay came out and warmed the crowd up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Keenan came out and played with the band. And oh, sang, really? And what does Keenan play? He sang Give Me Some Lovin'. Oh, wow. Well, that's and cool. Like, uh, like a pretty extended version, six or seven minutes. And then it was, I want to say, I could be totally wrong because my, my view was obstructed. I think it was Heidi and Ego were like back up dancing a uh, backup singing for him oh wow but he came out and then i thought it was like i was like oh why is he but then i was like you know what like the the blues brothers did that same song on that same stage yeah you know on the same show and it was it was it just felt it was cool yeah you know, I wonder, I wonder like, if that's like a little like, bit of history yeah that that is cool i wonder if that's like their go-to song i wonder if they changed that up yeah i, I have no idea that's wow. that's really cool, but yeah, that sounds like a great thing to get the audience going. I, w- I wish they put some of that stuff up on YouTube. That would be fun to see. Yeah, yeah, that 
that's always stuff you hear about, but you never see. It's like when, like you said, like when uh, you hear like about John Belushi and Aykroyd being the Blues Brothers and performing, or when Belushi would be uh, do that Joe Cocker impression, that amazing Joe Cocker impression, and just you know that'd be the thing that's just warm up. You're, yeah, you always yeah. kind of wonder, like, why isn't some, why isn't this anywhere? Why can I see this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that sounds phenomenal. That that is cool though. That is cool. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad you got the chance to uh, see the show, Ken. I'm glad you you came on and shared your experiences with us. Yeah, thank you for Here. having me. This was yeah, fun. Yeah, so the, I mean, please come back anytime. And, yeah, and I would love you know, to. if people want to hear more from you, uh, where can they follow you? Where where can they uh, keep up with your goings on? Uh, Ken Krantz comic on social media, or if mm-hmm. um. If you're a big music nerd, I have a, I have a fun music podcast called I Love Rock and Roll, and uh, that's on iTunes and Spotify okay, and SoundCloud, cool. and uh, that's on Twitter at Rock and Roll Pod. Okay, cool. We will check that out. And and uh, Ken Krantz, it's K R A N T Z, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, and you, and your your album uh, "Fu Poughkeepsie" is coming out next Should month. Should be June, out. Right? I'm, I'm I'm hoping to have it out next month. Okay, that, that must have been interesting to record it in the time of COVID, right? Um, yeah. It, well, I was I was lucky in that uh, I I I got um I got like an actual sellout. Like it wasn't COVID capacity. Like it was a hundred, you know, it was a one or one fifty or whatever. So um, I was, I was lucky that, that I, I, it was, it was the club's grand reopening. And uh, I tried recording it last December when the numbers mm-hmm. were spiking and like 15 people showed up. So I, had to, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not good. You no. want more than that for yeah. an audience. Now, is this, is this your first album or have you done one before? This is my, this is my second. Your second album. What's yeah. your first album? Uh, the first album's called No Punchline Required, and you can find that anywhere that uh, streams. All right. Yeah. So check that out. I mean, Ken's a really funny guy, and, you know, he he deserves all the love you can give. Thank Damn you. Damn straight. Yeah. And uh, as always, you can follow the uh, the show's uh, Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N, Credible. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be back next week for the season finale of SNL. You know, we're, we're at the end of season 46 already. That's it. End of the road. Uh, and, yeah, uh, coming up, it'll be... Uh... Anya Taylor-Joy and Lil Nas X for the season finale. Yeah, okay. We're looking forward to seeing that, seeing what they come up with, see if we're, we're going to find out if anybody's leaving the show or if we're not going to find out until the summer. So, um, But, uh, yeah, please join us next week for that. And, uh, and until then, nerds out. out! Thanks, guys. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.